Our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's admonition to the early church in Galatia as they tried to learn what it was to live together as a very diverse group of people. Let's share in God's good word together. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, guess what, friends? The election is over. Woohoo! Isn't that great? Like, no more campaign ads. Oh, that is awesome. It's great stuff. I'm so excited. Now, if you know me really well, one of the things that you know is that the 4th of July, my favorite holiday by far. And you're like, you're a pastor. What about Christmas? I'm like, I'm working Christmas. Right? You're like, well, what about Easter? I'm working Easter. Fourth of July is mine. I mean, I can blow up stuff and throw stuff at the oven. It's awesome. Our family goes big at Fourth of July. We love fireworks and, and all that goes with it. It is a beautiful, wonderful time for us. You see, I grew up in a very patriotic home. Uh, we did the right things for the right reasons at the right time. My dad was a pastor, and it started early. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I was in Cub Scouts. Uh, then I was a, a Boy Scout, uh, and then I became an Eagle Scout. Uh, there I am in the middle uh, when I was getting my little uh, Eagle uh, Court of Honor. Paul Davis of our church is right behind me. He had already beaten me. He had already gotten his Eagle uh, the year before. And uh, here we are in the basement of First Methodist Church of Guthrie, um, you know, having our Court of Honor for... Uh, the eagle, the, the highest rank that you could have in scouting. Uh, and I share this with you to say uh, that I love my country and I love my God. And I learned that early. Uh, to become an eagle, you had to receive a badge called citizenship in your community, citizenship in your nation, and citizenship in your world. And as, we, and as I learned what it was to be a scout, uh, we would say this. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country. To God and my country. To obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, and to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. This is what I learned it was to be a citizen of the United States, to be a good Boy Scout of America, to be a person under God and to serve God and country, to do my duty daily, to be prepared to help others I love the story about the, uh, the young scout that um, came back to his scout master and he said, okay, y'all went out and did your good d turn today? You know, you did your, your d good deed? And he said, yes. He said, what'd you do? He said, well, I helped an old lady cross the street. And, and the scout master said, well, that's not that big a deal. He said, yeah, well, she didn't want to go. <laughs> boom, boom. Preacher jokes. I'll be here all week. So anyway, I, I, I need you to know that I love my country and I love God and I love our church. Uh, but it's been a difficult week for many. Uh, maybe for you. And, and you say, well, well, how do I know this? Well, on Monday night before the election, 82% uh, of Americans polled that they found the presidential campaign, say it with me, disgusting. I could have called this back in August, right? I mean, somebody had to win the thing. And that meant that because our, our, our nation has been so divided, that, it, it, that this week was going to be a hard week, regardless. So, so here's the thing. And, and the reason I share this with you is uh, my hunch is that each one of these groups is represented here today that nearly half of Americans didn't vote at all. They, they just couldn't stomach it. They just they couldn't imagine going and doing that. And they just, they just didn't. Uh, about a quarter voted for Clinton. Uh, about a quarter voted for Trump. Uh, and 1.7%, almost 2%, uh, voted for Johnson. And each folk, 
in every single category had very good reasons why they did what they did. Uh, what you may not know, which I found really interesting, was in Oklahoma, uh, we had uh, record turnouts in, in lots of places, and 16,000 people filled out their entire ballot except for the president. They just couldn't do it. All the state questions, all the other stuff, but when it came to that vote for president, there's like, no, I'm out. I just can't physically do it. I, I just can't. That's how divided we are. And, and so today we gather to say to the world, there's something greater. There's something bigger. There's something more important than the election. What we need is to broaden our worldview, uh, our world lens. If you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take those out and follow along. Uh, th- that's your blank there. We need a bigger worldview, a bigger world lens. And if you've been depressed uh, this week um, because you're, you're looking at your life and you're looking at our country and you're looking at what's going on, just get used to it. Because whenever you focus on yourself and your problems and your circumstance, you're always going to be depressed. The only way to get out of that is to get your eyes off yourself and look to God. To look at the one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who made the heaven, the, the sun and the stars and the moon and all that exists on the earth. You see, friends, is, is the election important? Sure it is. Sure it is. And is our country important? Sure it is. But our country happens to be one of 206 countries on the planet. You realize this, that we are just a country. We're not the country, we're just a country. And part of our problem is ego. Part of our problem is pride, uh, where we think the whole world revolves around us, and it doesn't. We're one country of 206. Is it an important country? Yes. Uh, but it's not the only country. And our one country only represents 4% of the world's population. This is a tiny piece of the map, friends. We're only 4% of the entire world's population. Now, are we a very important part? Yes. Do we have more power than most? Yes. Is it important how we lead? Yes. But we're still one country of 206, of the population, and catch this, how long has God been God? Long time. So this is one election out of thousands around the world over millennia of time. How old is the world? Thousands and thousands of years. So the world doesn't stop because we have one election in one country at one time for 4% of the population. You understand this? God is much bigger, much greater, much more mighty than we often will think about in the week. And so if you want to be encouraged, if you want to have some hope, then you hope in God. Not in a president uh, or a government or even a country, even though those things are important. So first, if we want to sort of move forward, we must reclaim what it is to be the body of Christ across country, across the world, across time. You see, the thing that we gather here today is something that's more than 2,000 years old. If you count our ancestry in Judaism, it's even older than that. And it's in every country around the world, every tribe, every day. And, and so Paul writes, as the early church try, tried to get a hold of this, he says there's no longer Jew or Greek. And, and friends, that's a much bigger difference than Democrat or Republican, by the way. The Jews understood you could not eat with somebody that wasn't a Jew. You couldn't hang out with them. You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't have them in your home. It would make you unclean. So there was a huge divide in their minds about Jew and Greek. Slave or free, is that a big difference? Yeah, you you might say. And he says, no, in Christ Jesus, there's no longer slave owners uh, and slaves, no. There's no longer male or female. And for all of you are what? One in Christ Jesus. How many are one? All of us are one. Which means if you're a baptized Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, you have given yourself to everyone else on the planet who has also given their life to Christ. That's your family. That's now your family. And that's much bigger than an election or country or time. Because everybody who's connected to Christ is connected to everyone else who's connected to Christ. 
That's what you're part of. Yes, we're one in Christ Jesus. So we are all Oklahomans. Um, if you're claiming us now, if you're living here, you're in the room at least, right? We are Americans, but we're more than that. So for many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's still true today. Not everybody is participating in the kingdom of God. There, there are folks who are fighting against it. And, and those folks, their God is the belly, Paul writes to the early church in Philippi. They're, they're looking at themselves. And their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on what? On earthly things. But our citizenship is where, friends? It's in heaven. And heaven exists in this life and the next. Our citizenship is not just in Oklahoma, not just in America. It is in heaven. And it's from there that we are expecting a Savior, Jesus Christ. So our citizenship is where? In heaven. Actually, you hold dual citizenship. Every person in the room holds dual citizenship. You're a citizen of heaven first, and you're a citizen of the country. That's important to remember. Because you live and move and have our being in both of those kingdoms at the same time. We have dual citizenship. And it is from there, citizens of heaven, that we are expecting a savior, a leader, a master. And his name is what? Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's our master. So our citizenship is where? In heaven. And our savior is who? Jesus. Now that's what we have to remember today. And, and that's not some pie in the sky thing of like, oh, you know, whatever. No, this is the truth about you. That you are a citizen of heaven and your Savior is Jesus. Are you a citizen of America? Yes, of course. Uh, and do we have leaders? Yes, of course. But our first allegiance is our citizenship in heaven to where we also serve country out of that. So secondly then, we re-engage our citizenship. We, first, we recognize that we're, we have dual citizenship in heaven and on earth, but then we re-engage that citizenship to look like our master Jesus. So we are Jesus followers first. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And you say, well, what does it look like to be a citizen of heaven? What, what does our master teach us? What, what does our leader say? Well, our leader says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The Jews would have known this as the Shema. They would have learned this as little boys and girls growing up. And then he says, A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as what? Yourself. It's not do one to another before they do it to you. It's you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And all Jesus is doing is reminding the folks around him of what they already knew. Uh, they would have known the Torah, which is, say it with me if you know it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They would have known this cold. And in Deuteronomy 6, 5, the law says this, You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus is simply repeating what they knew to be the case. And then he goes all the way back into Leviticus, which if you need some reading tonight to help you go to sleep, Leviticus is a good place to go. It's tough law reading. It's just what it is. But look, this is so important that, it, that we hear the scripture anew today, that it is really eternal and, and beautifully contemporary. He says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a what? Say it with me. Grudge against any of your people. Any of y'all feel like having a grudge today? This, is, this happens, right? We feel like we want to like be against or held a grudge against things that aren't going our way. But again, that's about our, our way. That's about our own agendas. And so God says, let's set those aside and not take vengeance or bear grudge against any, that's an important word, any of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, God says. And that's why it's possible. Because God is with us. I am the Lord. That's the name that God uses for himself. And so because this is true, we don't do this on our own strength. We represent or represent Christ to the world by our love, that we love 
one another. That's how Jesus says that the world will know us, is by our love, that we have love for one another. That's who we are to be, that we represent or represent Christ to the world. And this is easier said than done, isn't it? Uh, A number of years ago, uh, looking at particularly the Western church, uh, Gandhi said this. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. They look at the things that Jesus said, uh, and many Christians don't do them. We look at the things that Jesus said not to do, and so many of us still do them. Uh, And then Jesus is silent on any number of issues, and we make stuff up. And Gandhi says, what are you doing? That doesn't look anything at all like Jesus. And so around here, what we try to do is if Jesus says to do it, we try to do it. And if Jesus says don't do it, we do our best not to do it. And if Jesus is silent on something, then we're silent about it because we figure Jesus must have a good reason to do that. We try not to make stuff up in his name. We think that's a pretty good place to be. So Jesus tells us this, that we are to be light in the darkness. Right? You don't need a flashlight at noon. We're to be a light in the darkness. This is our time to shine in the darkness by living into our ministry of, say it with me, reconciliation. Well, that's a kick in the pants. Nobody really likes that ministry. I mean, that, that is a hard one. I mean, it'd be much better to have a ministry of like hanging out at the beach and, you know, just ignoring everyone. Uh, that's the ministry we would like. But that's not the ministry that's been given to us. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And what Paul says to the early church is the reason we have that ministry is because that's what God did in Jesus. That God so loved the what? The world. Well, did the world love Jesus? No. Jesus goes to the cross in full obedience, and he gives his life, and he says to the Roman soldier at the foot, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He says to the thief on the cross next to him, Surely, truly, I tell you, this day you will be with me in paradise. People that absolutely had not followed him, hadn't done anything good that we know of, and Jesus was reconciling the entire world to himself through the most horrendous piece of torture the world had ever known. And from there, he's reconciling the world to himself. God so loved the world. The world. And because that's true, those of us who claim to follow him are to be about the same ministry. And so Paul says to the early church in Corinth, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's what God was doing in Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's now ours to do. And it's hard work. Is is, is reconciliation easy or hard? It's hard. It's hard work. It's ours to do. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not just a few, no longer just the Jews, but every person to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to who? To us. This is ours to do. And it begins in our homes and our families and our workplaces at our schools. It, and, and by the way, we're just a few weeks from Thanksgiving, so get ready. Right? We're, we're going to have these conversations and we need to be people of what? The word is reconciliation. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. That seems too big, like too much. And I love the way Dr. John Townsend puts it. He says it like this. He says, God will do what only he can do and your job is to do what you can do. Not what you can't do, what you can do. That's when faith really shines. So we're going to trust God to do what only God can do, and God's going to trust us to do what we can do, which includes the ministry of reconciliation. And as as I was thinking about this week and and how uh, we could talk about this or model this, um, I came across a conversation uh, with the Brickley family. I invite them up uh, to come forward. Uh, The Brickleys have been a part of our church for about two years. Uh, John and Sandra and the girls, Isabella, uh, Elena, and Alizé. And so um, they're a part of our church family. Will you all welcome them with me? 
lean right on back so these folks can see you as well. Yeah. All right. And so um, tell us a little bit about your family, John, and, and how this how you all came to be. Sure. Uh, my wife and I, we met at uh, Bible College in Germany. Uh, we were uh, studying there for the ministry, and we served as missionaries in uh, Western Europe for a number of years, and we're in the, also in local church pastorate for about 23 years. And while we were serving as pastors in Corpus Christi, Texas, the Texas Department of uh, Protective Services had an outreach program to faith based communities for foster families. And uh, we invited them to come to our church to share with us about, about um, recruiting foster families out of our church, and they ended up recruiting us. Um, and we, we went on to the database in Texas. They have a database of all the kids that are available for adoption, and we saw these four beautiful girls, and you're wondering, well, you only see three of them. Our oldest, um, she um, didn't want to make, she's older and didn't want to make the move to Oklahoma with us, so she kind of stayed behind in Texas, but um, she will be here at Christmas time, so you'll get a chance to meet her. But um, we um, had, um, saw the, their picture on, online, and we, it's like the Lord just said, these are your girls. And so we, we went through that process, and they were placed with us, and about five, six months later, we were able to adopt them, um, and it's been a, been a great, great blessing to us. Yeah, and, and girls, where, where were y'all born? Lubbock. Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. All right, and now you're Oklahomans now. What? No. <laughs> no, Alice is not. Uh, Alice is definitely, like, she's, like Alice she's a longhorn through and through. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So stay away from her during yeah. the Red River rivalry. Yeah, yeah. She'll... Unless you want to hear yeah. all the Texas stuff. So uh, the girls and I have become good buds. Many of you all will see us hanging out at the, at the front as we're greeting people or, or uh, on the receiving line. And, and I've just come to love their family so much. So this week when we were visiting, um, it just broke my heart um, that at school, uh, not in Philadelphia, not Detroit, not New York, but right here, uh, uh, the girls go to Santa Fe, Heartland, and Washington Irving, Right? Um, and then this week, uh, following the election, um, some bullying started to happen and wondered if you all could share a little bit about what that looks like for your family. Yeah. Um, when, when Bella came home on, I believe it was Thursday, um, one of the things that we do as father and daughter, I always ask her how her day went, and we kind of debrief about the day. And I'm usually listening to stories of typical teenage drama about boys that like her and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, but today, that day was different. She was very sad, and I asked her, well, what, what's going on? What happened? And uh, she said, during my second hour, um, some, some boys in the class were bullying me and uh, said that uh, I was going to be deported back to Mexico. Um, and that, that really frustrated me because this is actually the second time that this has happened to her during the campaign season. Last year when she was a student at Cheyenne, a, a student said something similar, you know, said when Trump gets elected, you're going to be deported back to Mexico. And, and, and it broke my heart to hear that my daughter has to go through this. No one should hear that they don't belong. And um, she, she said it really shook her up. And it really frightened her. And the next hour, she, uh, before class, she just really broke down into tears and was having a hard time composing herself. And I said, well, what was it that shook you up so badly about this? 
And she said, you know, I, I began to think about my past and all those fears and uncertainties came back to me. Um, she, cause she knows what it's like to be taken from your family and forcibly removed from your family and to not see them again. Um, and all the uncertainty and the fear that comes with that. And all that came flooding back to her. Um, and, and it just made it a difficult time. Nobody wants to see their child go through that kind of pain. And as I sat on the edge of the bed with her, I just said, hey, listen, Bella, none of this is going to happen. Um, you know, you, you are as every bit as American as I am. This is your home. This is your family. You're not going anywhere. But I encouraged her. I said, listen, Bella, we need to pray today, tonight, and for the days to come for those families that this issue is a very real fear tonight, that they are living in the uncertainty that this very well might happen to them because um, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that, that are facing, living in that uncertainty that don't know what these days will bring. And um, so we prayed and, and uh, thank God for the privilege that we have and prayed for those that, that are in less certain times. Yep. Anything else you want to say? No? Okay. <laughs> Bella's a little shy. Uh, we were up here last night getting ready, and um, you know, she was recounting the story for me and um, and... And I was like, well, so tell me, like, help me make sense of this. I mean, there's always drama at high school. So how is, how is this different? And just with tears streaming down her face, she's like, I haven't even been to Mexico. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm from Lubbock. I'm like, and we like Lubbock, but you don't get deported to Lubbock. Yeah. You know, back from where you were born. I mean, Lane, it's, Lane even last night asked, what does a Mexican look like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so that you don't hear what we're not saying. Um, all three girls said to me, look, they have a good, a good relationship with their school. Uh, when Bella went to the administrators to say, hey, can you help me with this? They were awesome. They were really great. So we have good teachers from Santa Fe High School that yeah. go to our church. They're awesome. Teachers of the year, great, great people, some of the best people I know. We've got good folks at North and at Memorial and at Heartland and Washington Irving. and I mean, you name it. So th- this, don't, don't hear what we're not saying. Nobody's bashing the schools. But if you would have asked me, like last week, you know, hey, are, are the kids at Acts 2 uh, getting bullied and, and being threatened uh, of deportation? I'd be like, we're in Edmond. Are you kidding me? Like, it's Edmond. But I want you to know that when it comes to our family, uh, we're going to stand with our family. Because we're family, right? Because we're baptized. Because this is our church family. This is who we are. And so I think it's important that we have the conversation in front of our family so that you know the realities of, of where we are. Uh, not in Philadelphia, New York, but a couple of miles from here. Uh, and, and so I wanted to be able to pray for our girls. Um, I wanted to be able to pray for the family. Um, and I also w- want to say before, before we do that, um, that this isn't political for me. Because some of my good friends uh, and family uh, voted for Trump, and they have been labeled as racist and said, had horrible things said about them. And that's not okay either. Because we are one in Christ, right? It doesn't matter how you voted or if you voted. We're one in Christ. And the way we treat each other is important regardless of, of how that, that ballot went, right? And so as we pray for you, we're also praying for everybody else who's had a shot taken at them this week. Does it make sense? So we're praying for every person uh, that has been treated harshly this week uh, because of whatever nonsense there may be. So if you know the Brickleys or you want to be able to pray for them, I invite you to come now. They're going to come right down here. We're going to pray for them. And we're also praying uh, for our nation and our world as we do that, as they represent uh, the world to us and for us.
Lord God, we thank you for the Brickleys. We thank you that you have made them family to us. We thank you that we are connected to everyone who's connected to you. That there is one faith, one hope, one baptism, one Lord of us all. And we ask, Lord, for grace and protection, not only for them, but for all they represent. For those who find themselves outside or disappointed or afraid today. We pray your love and protection and grace upon them. And we ask that you would use our hands and our feet to be your hands and your feet in the world. When we see someone fallen, give us the power to raise them up. When we see someone hurting, give us words of comfort and arms and hands of healing. And Lord, where we sense that other kingdoms are coming against you, that we would stand firm, that we are in your loving arms, that you would bless and keep us all in Jesus' name. And all who agree say, amen, amen. amen. Will you show your support uh, for our family? And so that's something we can do. And so we do. When we have people in our family who are hurting, we love them, we pray for them, we lift them up. And we never forget that God is in control even when it doesn't feel like it. God is still with Bella at school even when other people treat her badly. God is still with her. And as the people of God, we surround her and others to remind one another, one another that we are with you. We are the body of Christ the hands and feet in the world, and we love one another, and we are known by our love. And now it gets hard, because the third thing we do is that we pray for all our leaders, and the key word is all. Whew. Really, all. Every single one. Every leader that you hoped would not get elected, um, you pray for them. Because there's been such vitriol among folks, it only works when we begin to pray. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Bless your enemies. Do not curse them, because this is what changes the world, friends. That we pray for all our leaders, even if we don't agree with them, even if we don't uh, think that they know what they're doing, we pray for all of them. And this was true for George Bush, it was true for Obama, it was true uh, and will be true for the next president. We pray for them all, because God is Lord of all. And now it gets really tough, because we're also praying for Putin, and for Libya, uh, and for all, all the leaders in China. South Korea, North Korea, we're praying for how many leaders? All leaders of the world. For peace and for justice and for mercy, for compassion, that love would reign over all the world, not just here, all the world. And Jesus um, would have known this scripture as well. It comes from the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves... Right? First of all, we have to have a position of humility. We pray, we talk to God, we seek God's face, and we turn from our wicked ways, not calling out everybody else, but from our own wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. The Bible is full of these if-then sentences. Right? That if we humble ourselves, then God will respond and forgive us and heal our land. So first of all, we are to humble ourselves as Jesus did. And I would remind you that that humility led Jesus all the way to the cross. And he says to us, pick up your cross and follow me. And in that, we are to be gentle, as Jesus was gentle. Paul writes to the early church in Philippi, let your gentleness be known to who? Everyone, to everyone. For the Lord is near. We can be gentle because the Lord is with us. And we are not to worry, but we're called to pray. We don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known to God. So we're not people of worry, 
We're people of prayer, where we go to God and we trust God with our future. And so your action steps, friends, are these. First of all, set your mind on things where? Above. Like we get our our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, off of our worries, off of our fears, and on to God. We set our minds on things above. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, it's whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, the scripture says, think about these things. I have another one of those if-then. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, notice that it doesn't say, if you spend your day on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and on the, on the news, um, then peace will come. No, it won't come. You'll be a wreck. Right? If you, if you spend your day on all the doomsday stuff that you see uh, on the news all day, every day, you're, you're, you're not having any peace in your life. So God says, so shut that down for a season and look for what's true. Look for what's honorable, what's just and pure. And then... Ask God to give you love for the person sitting right next to you. And for some of you, this is super easy. You're like, yep, I got great love. And for others, you're like, you got to be kidding me. But right now, I want you to look at the person to your left and to your right and ask God to give you love for the person sitting right next to you. And they might even have a different political affiliation. They might. And God calls us to love each and every one. And I firmly believe this, that everything that we need God has already given us because he's a good and loving and just God. Everything we need, we have. The keys to harmony in our marriages, in our homes, in our community, in our nation, in our world are in us. Are in us. Which leads us to your final action step. Reach out this week and do something kind. Something kind for someone who is disappointed or afraid or scared or on the outside. Look for those who have fallen down and lift them up. Look for those who are scared and give them a word of comfort, a smile, a welcome. And in this place, in just a few minutes, we are going to do something that is incredibly countercultural. You're going to be invited to come and kneel before God Almighty next to someone who didn't vote or somebody who voted different than you. And, and, and we're going to come and we're going to be right side by side. Some are going to serve and some are going to receive. And we're going to say to the world, regardless of what happens in the world, we will be a laboratory of love in this place. Where God is first, we are citizens of heaven first, and everything else is second. Everything else is second. And we're going to live this out in front of the world so that they might know that when you step on the foot of the campus of Acts 2, you're going to be welcomed and loved and supported and lift it up, full of compassion and peace and mercy and justice and welcome. And that happens here time after time after time after time, regardless of where you come from or what you look like or where you've been. And we hope together we'll know where we're going to the foot of the cross for the transformation of the world. Amen? Amen. Amen.